بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا Inshallah, today, as we're drawing into this winter period, when everybody's going to be off, one of the barakat of Christmas for us Muslims is that everybody gets off. So that Jumu'ah, if it's on Christmas time or around that time, you get more people in the masjid. All the children come as well. This is what I call the barakat. We have to look at the benefit of everything. We don't celebrate Christmas. But this is one of the things the masjids have more people at that time. Families can sometimes get together. You can have programs. Mashallah, we have lots and lots of programs. So as we're getting into that period, it's very important for us as Muslims to understand what our other fellow citizens outside, host community to a certain degree, what their belief is. That's very important for us to understand. And this is important because sometimes you're going to be working with Christians. We may be studying with Christians. We'll have neighbors who are Christians. And if we can have a point of discussion, then inshallah, a lot of clarification can be made as to what exactly who Jesus, peace be upon him, Isa alayhi salam was. Let us start. Isa alayhi salam's story starts from his grandmother and his grandfather. His grandfather from his mum's side because he didn't have a father. Uh, he only had one set of grandparents. And in, Islam, in our Urdu we'd say nana nani. He didn't have a dada dadi. So, this was her name. His mother was Maryam. Salam. Her mother, Maryam Salam's mother, was who? Who knows? Hanna. In English, that's Anna. Anna comes from Hanna. And her husband was Imran. So, those were the two people. Now, this is Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem. And this is the Baytul Maqdis. So what happens is, Imran, he was part of the masjid. He was one of the rabbis there. He was one of the leaders, one of the imams as such, of the masjid. And his wife was Hanna. Her Hanna bint Fakhuth. That's That's the name. She didn't have any children. One day she sees a bird either pecking at an egg and then a baby coming out or playing with its chick. With its chick. So when she saw this, her longing for a child grew very intense. Now this is the natural inclination of a woman. When she sees somebody else with children and she doesn't have children, or even if she has children, this is a natural motherly instinct. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all those women who are finding it difficult to have children, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relieve them of that misery. Because uh, unfortunately, both psychologically, emotionally, it's a problem. And then unfortunately, culturally, it's an issue. Everybody comes and says, what's wrong with you? And sometimes our culture is so harsh and... It is so merciless that if a mother cannot have sons 
and she has one daughter, two daughters, three daughters, four daughters, five daughters, six daughters. It's nightmare for her. I, I, I've had email, one email I remember, please make dua for me. I've had this many daughters. If I have another daughter, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And this is really sad. People don't understand that Allah is behind this. They're complaining about Allah. That's what they're doing. Allah's decision to make, give a son or daughter. You have, uh, uh, Allah mentions that in the Quran. Dhukur wal inath. I mean, all of this is mentioned. Allah provides. Anyway, so now she doesn't, Hanna doesn't have a child. She makes a strong dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when she sees this. Now that must have been an ajib time for the acceptance of dua. Her dua is accepted. And she then says, she makes a promise. Before, before, uh, at this time she makes a promise. Oh Allah, if you give me a child, then I'm going to dedicate this child for the service of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she became pregnant. Inshallah, she became pregnant. Maybe this is a way for women to get pregnant. Make your intention that you will dedicate your child for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll make them great ulama, alimas, whatever it may be, and then inshallah they'll be in the path of Allah. Then maybe you'll have a child. I mean, this is her sunnah, it seems. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relates in the Quran, Surah Ali Imran. إِذْ قَالَتِ امْرَأَةُ عِمْرَانَ رَبِّ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لَكَ مَا فِي بَطْنِي مُحَرَّرًا فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ When the wife of Imran, she said, Oh my Lord, I pray, I have vowed, I have vowed that whatever is in my stomach is going to be free for you. So accept it from me. Accept the child from me because you are the all-listening and the all-knowing. After giving birth, she was very convinced that she was going to have a son, but Allah wanted otherwise. So Allah describes this wonderfully in the Quran. When she gave birth, she said, Oh my Lord, I've given birth to a female, to a daughter. And generally, the temple did not accept girls. They accepted boys only for the service. There was no system for women there, it seemed. I've given birth to a daughter. But Allah says, وَلَيْسَ الذَّكَرُكَ الْأُنْثَى The son that you may have had in mind, or any man that you have, is not like this particular woman. This girl that you have just given birth to, she can outweigh many, many, many men. So don't feel bad. وَإِنِّي سَمَّيْتُهَا مَرْيَمْ so she says, I've given her the name Maryam. Now I give her in refuge. I, I seek Allah's refuge for her and for her descendant. From the shaitan, the accursed. After the birth, she decided she had to fulfill the oath because she had made an oath. People were true to their words. Took, him, took the child to the Baytul Maqdis. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again, he mentions. Now, what's most interesting, I know we're going to speak about Isa alayhi salam. If you look in the entire Quran, if you look at the entire Old or New Testament, according to Sayyid, uh, according to Sayyid Sulaiman Nadwi, who actually quotes this from the Encyclopedia Britannica, 
He say it says in the Encyclopedia Britannica that basically the maximum number of days of Jesus's life, Isa Islam's life, you can understand from the Bible, and I would say probably from the Quran as well, is about 50 days. That's all we know. If you count the days of when it's related that Isa Islam was doing this or that or whatever, you get about 50 days of his life and that's it. And in general, you get this story of before his birth, then his birth, then he disappears. Then we don't know anything about it. The Quran is silent and so is the Bible. He then resurfaces at the age of 30 or something. Suddenly you start noticing that there's a person called Jesus, peace be upon him, and he starts his preaching. Right? He's already a prophet because Jesus is the anomaly here in the sense that he gets his prophecy at a young age. He is one of the only prophets who gets prophecy before 40 years of age. So he starts preaching, and so you only then know from between 30 to 33, around that age, and then he's lifted up. And that's it. Then the other discussion we have in the hadith and so on, is about when he will come back. And we have great detail about that. Very interesting. So that's basically the information I'm going to provide you here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again, Surah Ali Imran, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُوحِيهَا إِلَيْكَ نُوحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ those are, that's the news of the unseen. That's all information about the unseen that we will reveal to you. وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ You are not with them. إِذْ يُلْقُونَ أَقْلَامَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يَكْفُلُ مَرْيَمٌ Now what happened is, when she took, Hanna took this child, Maryam salam to the temple, who is going to look after her? Now all the rabbis, they know that there's a lot of barakah because this, what you have to understand is that Many of the rabbis there were the offsprings of Harun alayhi salam. You know, Musa and Harun alayhi salam, many of the offspring, the descendants of Harun alayhi salam, they were the ones who were in charge of the Baytul Maqdis, the religious Baytul aspects of the Baytul Maqdis, they were in charge of it. And Maryam's mother, Hanna, said to them that she is my daughter, no menstruating woman can enter into the masjid, hence I must give, him up, give her up to you and you must take care of her. I can't take her back home. I will not take her back home because I have vowed to dedicate her to the masjid. She's the daughter of the Imam. The Imam was Imran. So now they all wanted to look after her. Now Zakaria who is the prophet of the time, he says that I should look after her. Why? Because his wife is the auntie of Maryam His wife is the auntie of Maryam He says, I have the most right. And he's also one of the big scholars there and he's the prophet however the others say no we can't give him up to you so quickly you know we would want to all have the right to look after her because she's so blessed she's the daughter of our imam so that's what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then describes that the way they decided was you know the pens that they used to use for writing their torah they all went to the river jordan right and the river jordan is in between jordan and palestine i actually visited it recently uh, and they've actually discovered the, the, the baptism place as well recently. It's just been open recently. Anyway, that's a different story. The River Jordan. And they threw their pens in. Whoever's pen stays afloat, they will get to, choose, they will get to look after Maryam salam. And it was everybody else's pen disappeared. Zakaria salam, his pen remained. And thus, he, he was the natural choice then. So he looked after her. They made... Uh, a mihrab as such. Now, a mihrab is uh, one masjid 
they've actually written the verses that's not the mihrab of this mihrab that mihrab is a room right mihrab is a room right it's it's a it's not this niche in the wall so it's the wrong verse to put there right maryam is then looked after there and she's a very pious woman she's been in the temple she's not seen any evil she's never done any evil she's got the best of the people looking after her and she devotes herself to full worship very modest very honorable woman at the time that's why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the best woman in her time was maryam alayhi salam the daughter of imran and the best woman of the prophet sallallahu alaihi time was khadija radiyallahu anha now zakaria alayhi salam is watching her that there's some very strange things that are happening so there's strange things happening. He is finding that she has fruits out of season. It's not pomegranate season and she's got pomegranates. I don't know, but I'm assuming. I don't, I'm not sure if they had mangoes, but I'm sure the Gujaratis would get very excited if you got mangoes, Indian Pakistani mangoes in December. Unfortunately, you can't. I was in Sri Lanka about a month ago and they had nice mangoes there. Right? Which is after the Pakistan and India season. Right, and uh, subhanallah. Anyway, so he's seeing all of this, and now his iman increases, it seems, and he makes a dua Oh Allah, I need a child as well. So, as Allah says in the Quran, Fatakabalaha Zakaria is taking care of her, alayhi salam. Kullama dakhala alayha Zakaria al-mihrab, wajada indaha rizqa. Finding food, she's already got food, divine, you know, sustenance. Qariya maryamu anna laki hadha. Where'd you get this from? Where's this coming from? And she just says, huwa min indillah. I mean, for her it's quite natural. She's been having it since uh, a long time, it seems. So for her it was quite natural. Maybe this just happens to everybody. She probably doesn't know what happens to anybody else. Says so this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives to whomever he wills without any reckoning. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاكِ وَطَهَّرَكِ وَاصْطَفَاكِ عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ يَا مَرْيَمُ اقْنُتِي لِرَبِّكِ وَاسْجُدِي وَارْكَعِي مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ That, O oh Maryam, we've chosen you. We've chosen you for something very special. To bear the next prophet. And we've chosen you above the women of the alameen. Submit yourself to the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maryam alayhi salam couldn't, the news she's getting now, she couldn't fully comprehend it or interpret the meaning. But then soon, soon, uh, there was an angel that appeared before her and blew the ruh. It says that either through her sleeve, there's various opinions as to how the ruh was blown in. But there was no touch. It was through, the, through a breath. So there was a, a, a person that seemed to appear in front of an angel coming in the form of a person and blows the spirit into her. And then she becomes pregnant. Now, this obviously astonishes her because no man has touched her. No man has touched her. That's very strange. The, she obviously was going to be very embarrassed now, knowing what people will say. You know. She was told, as Allah says in the Quran, Inna Allah yubashiruki bi kalimatin. 
منه اسمه المسيح ابن مسيح عيسى ابن مريم you are going to have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a child roughly translated as his name is going to be the Masih, the Messiah Isa son of Mary wajihan fi dunya wal akhira highly respected in this world and in the hereafter wa yukallimu nasa fil mahdi he's going to be speaking to the people from his cradle wa kahlan and then when he's middle age and that's why you see that he disappears in between wallahu alam he just speaks about those two times and he's going to be from the salihin however she is embarrassed that as as it took a full 9 months is a normal pregnancy it wasn't overnight it was a full 9 months but she knows as it's growing she's going to get embarrassed what are people going to say so she runs away she escapes from the temple goes a few miles out now this is from jerusalem she goes to bethlehem which is called Baitul Lahm. Now those who's, who've been to uh, Palestine, they've probably been to Baitul Lahm. When you go to Baitul Lahm, there is obviously the, the big church there, which they say is the birthplace of Isa alayhi salam. I remember the first time that I went, several years ago, we went, the, the, the last time I went, the, it was the Mufti of Bethlehem, Baitul Lahm, that took us around. So he obviously t- told us, his, our perspective of the story. But the first time I went, there was a guide. He didn't have anybody with him. He goes, come on, let me t- take you around. He says, I'm a Muslim. Let me take you around. He says, okay, fine. He goes, don't worry, I won't charge you anything. Right? So he said, okay, fine. It was my family. So we went, looked around. He gave us the normal tourist explanation. Took us down. If those who've been there, then you go down. It's a very interesting church because there are approximately four or five different Christian sects that uh, fight with each other uh, one has a small part here another one has a part here there's no walls in between it's just like this is your part this is our part this is this part this is this part they have fight over who's going to clean and all this kind of weird stuff that goes on right but then you go down and there's a cave and they've made a manger down there right those who've seen it they must have they, they know this right so he said yeah and this is where jesus was born and everything and then suddenly he took a 35 uh, 360 degree turn so nobody else was there and he said no everything that i told you is the other perspective it's all it's just all you know another perspective he says because in the quran as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions i'll read the verses to you later but it mentions that she gave birth not in a cave but on the side of a bank of a river with a palm tree there. So how could it have been in this cave? And he reckons that it's a few miles from this spot, where it is. This time when I went, we asked the Mufti this question, and there is another church that very few people know about, another monastery or something that very few people know about. It's on the bank of a river, right? And I'm, I'm giving you too much information, sorry. right? But this is for the adventurous people who like to go and know these things, right? But there's a, he says there's another church or something down there and it's not, you know, it's not well known. And I don't think they encourage people to go there either. But he reckons that, uh, according to the first person, he reckons that it's somewhere in that area where this happened. But khair, wherever it is, that's a different point. We want to take the benefit from the story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مَرْيَمْ إِذِنْ تَبَذَتْ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا مَكَانًا شَرْقِيًّا فَاتَّخَذَتْ مِنْ دُونِهِمْ حِجَابًا now she disappeared because she had to put a veil between them. How is she going to answer this? She didn't know how to answer this question. فَأَرْسَلْنَا إِلَيْهَا رُوحَنَا فَتَمَثَّلَ لَهَا بَشَرًا سَوِيًّا 
We sent our ruh, our spirit, our angel. He came in front of her as a human being in a human form. And he says, Inni, or, she said, Inni u'idhu bil-Rahmani mink in kunta taqiyya. Now this should be the first response of a girl or woman when somebody flirts with them. Remember these words. This is Maryam salam. She's been approached by a pure angel. She doesn't know. For her, this is a man. And she knows that this is an unmarried man to her. So she says, I seek refuge in the Rahman, in the most merciful one from you, if you are a righteous person. So remember our sisters, if you're listening, this is a dua you should probably memorize. If you ever flirted with, this is what you should say. I'm a messenger of your Lord. I've come to give you a gift of a, um, an in righteous son, an intelligent son. Anna yakunu li ghulam, she says. How am I going to have a son? Walam yamsasni bashar, walam aku baghiya. No man has touched me, and neither am I an unchaste woman. Where? What's the possibility? Qala kathalik, this is going to happen. Qala rabbuki huwa alayya hayyin. Your Lord has said that this is simple. For him, this is very easy. Walinaj'alahu ayatan. We want to make this a sign for the people and we want to, this to be a source of mercy. We want to, be, we want to give mercy. This is a matter that's already been decreed. Nothing's going to change now. Subhanallah, getting her ready that this is something that's going to happen. Obviously, speaking to her, she's a righteous woman. So telling her that this is all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give her the strength. It's difficult though. It is obviously difficult. Now, she was told not to tell anybody about this matter and remain quiet. That's why the Quran says, فَحَمَلَتْهُ She became pregnant. فَانْتَبَذَتْ بِهِ مَكَانًا قَصِيَّةً She withdrew to a distant place, four to six miles away, Baytul Laham. Today, it's only four to six miles away. If you want to do that in Birmingham traffic time, how long does it take? An hour? Unfortunately, in Palestine, it also takes a long time because of the checkpoints in between, right? So that's what it is. But who said it was easy to get in the Holy Lands? You know, at the end of the day, you should go. How many of you have been to Palestine? MashaAllah, that's really nice. That's uh, maybe about 15, 20%. We need more people, inshallah. They love it when you come. They love it because it gives them a lot of himma that at least we're not alone and people care about us. And especially with British passports and so on. Yes, you may have to wait two hours, five hours, 10 hours maybe at the airport. But alhamdulillah. It's never been easy. Musa Islam, they took 40 years to get in. So for us, 10 hours was the problem. The last time I went, it was six and... First time I went, it was 20 minutes because I was with the family. The last time I went, six and a half hours. Alhamdulillah. So she conceived him and she withdrew for them for this distant place. The pain, it says, فَأَجَاءَهَا الْمَخَادُ إِلَىٰ جِذْعِ النَّخْلَةِ this is, this is the point. قَالَتْ يَا لَيْتَنِي مِتُّ قَبْلَ هَذَا وَكُنْتُ نَسْيًا مَنْسِيًّا The pains of ch childbirth, they drove her to the trunk of a date palm. And she said, would that I have died before this. Ya Allah. Such a pure soul, she's so embarrassed. This is the nature of a woman speaking. And today, unfortunately, we have our brothers and sisters, our men and women who are committing zina openly and don't have an issue with it. She is no zina whatsoever and she's worried. What a difference. 
She says, would that I have died before this and become forgotten and out of sight. That I wouldn't even be known before this. But, فَنَادَاهَا مِنْ تَحْتِهَا فَنَادَاهَا مِنْ تَحْتِهَا أَلَّا تَحْزَنِي قَدْ جَعَلَ رَبُّكِ تَحْتَكِ سَرِيَّا وَهُزِّي إِلَيْكِ بِجِذْعِ النَّخْلَةِ تُسَاقِتْ عَلَيْكِ رُطْبًا جَنِيَّا فَكُلِي وَاشْرَبِي وَقَرِّي عَيْنًا فَإِمَّا تَرَيِّنَّ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ أَحَدًا فَقُولِي إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ صَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيًّا And you know if you understand Arabic the wording, the tone, the style, the sound, the rhapsody of it is completely in tune with the meaning. So if you understand Arabic, the effect of these words on you will be completely different to just the translation. The translation is powerful itself. But if, if you could understand this in Arabic, it's much more effective. Anyway, it says, Then the baby Isa or Jibreel cried unto her from below her. This is one opinion. It says the other opinion is that um, <clears throat> this, is, this is one opinion. This is what one person has translated as. It, it was announced to her, Grieve not, your Lord has provi provided a water stream for you. And shake the trunk of the date palm towards you. It will let fall fresh, ripe dates upon you. You have your food source as well. Eat and drink and be glad. Nothing to worry about. And if you see any human being, just say, Verily, I have vowed a fast unto the most gracious, so I shall not speak to any human being this day. That was the way that they expressed their fast. She now gives the birth and she was widely considered obviously to be a pious woman. There was nobody better than her in that sense. There are people who found her missing. Where's she gone? So then they went outside and during this time she is coming back. After all of this has been told her, she must have regained a lot of her confidence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she's coming back now. <clears throat> when they met her, because when they went out, it says that they saw a shepherd and they asked the shepherd. And the shepherd said that, um, you know, I don't know about this woman, but I do know that last night, my sheep all were bowing down towards a light that had been emanating from Baytul Lahm. So that's the direction that they went in. Another thing that happened, you know, just to tie it in with the Christian story, right? the Christians say that her husband was Joseph, the carpenter, Yusuf and Najjar. How does he come into the picture? Who is he? He was a pious man from her family. And he noticed she was pregnant. So, very politely, he, asked, he said, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question and don't be offended by the question. But how is it possible for there to be a plant without a seed? Right? Or an offspring without... And she said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam salam from nothing. So then he says, okay, I understand. Right? That's Yusuf, Najjar. <clears throat> I think there's also an opinion that they later got married afterwards. After, after all of this. But anyway, that's how Yusuf, this Yusuf comes into the picture, this Joseph. Uh, and I remember this Joseph, 
that they mention this story like this because uh, those of our, uh, you know, those who've been to school here, that this is the story that's generally told, you know, the Yusuf and Joseph and the manger and all of this kind of stuff. Now she brings back the baby to her people. They're already coming from that side, you know, because they found out about the light. So they're coming this side. She's decided to come back and she's carrying this child. She comes holding on to the child, to her people. They said, Ya Maryam, لَقَدْ جِئْتِ شَيْءً فَرِيَّ Initial reaction. Right? You have brought a mighty, this is a really serious thing. Where'd you get this child from? Ya Ukhta Harun, sister of Harun, she didn't have any brothers. So why did they call her Ya Ukhta Harun? They said that this was a statement in those days that Harun salam was supposed to be very pious. Or oh, there was another Harun. So anybody who was supposed to be a righteous one, they'd say, you are the sister of Harun. That was a proverb. So, Ya Ukhta Harun, Ma kana abuki mra'a saw'in, wa ma kanat ummuki baghiya, neither was your father a bad man or an evil man, neither was your, woman, uh, your mother an, uh, an unchaste person. So what, what's wrong? You know, this is human reaction. First thing is they look at the negative. I mean, what else? Right? How else do you get a child? It's a miracle. I don't blame them, to be honest, right? You know, if you, if you look at it. فَأَشَارَتْ إِلَيْهِ She did exactly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. She pointed at the child. قَالُوا كَيْفَ نُكَلِّمُ مَنْ كَانَ فِي الْمَهْدِ صَبِيَّةِ Now they're even more astonished. What, you think we're going to speak to a child who's in a, who's in a cradle? How is he going to speak to us? And then Isa alayhi began to speak. قَالَ إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ I am the servant of Allah. I mean, can you imagine a baby? Just put yourself in that picture. A baby beginning to speak like this, saying all of these really eloquent words. Allah has given me the scripture. He's made me a prophet. So he's a prophet at that age. And he has made me blessed wherever I may be. As long as I am alive, I ha- I, Allah has advised me, counseled me, and instructed me for salat and zakat. And he's told me to be obe- obedient to my mother. This is, a, pair, this is a, a prophet saying this. I must make salat, I must give zakat, and he's a baby when he's saying this, and I must be obedient to my mother. And he's not made me an arrogant and an unblessed person. And peace be upon me the day that I was born, the day I will die, the day that I will be resurrected and become alive again. Now, we don't know any more details. He disappears from the pages of history. He then reappears at the age of 30. So let us now discuss Isa salam now as an adult. Isa salam he suddenly appears and starts to propagate, starts to tell everybody about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now remember, he's from the Bani Israel. And it is the Bani Israel in Jerusalem. However, there are also Romans there. Now to understand this, what you have is you have the Roman Empire and they had overcome Jerusalem. However, they had left Jerusalem to 
the, the Jerusalem was, a protect, uh, was protected by them basically It was under them So you had Roman officers But you also had the Jews The Bani Israel, the children of Israel uh, down there He starts to propagate within the children of Israel A lot of them think he's an imposter The opinion about Jesus, peace be upon him Is that the Christians, they believe he was a god The Muslims believe he was a prophet And that was the same Jesus we're speaking about However, you know the Jews, they believe that he was the Dajjal, he was wrong. He, not the Dajjal, they believe that the Jesus, the real Jesus, was an imposter. So when they killed, when the order was given to kill him, they thought they're killing an, apost uh, an imposter. And you get that from the Bible. There are verses in the Bible that tell you about this. They think the real Jesus is still supposed to come. So that was the false Jesus. The Muslims believe that was Isa alayhi salam. So he starts propagating. He then shows a number of miracles. As you know, with all prophets, there's a miracle because the whole point of a miracle is that when you make a claim that I'm a prophet, you need something to prove it. So prophets were given miracles to prove that their claim, and a miracle is essentially anything that is out of the norm, something extraordinary that normal people cannot do. And when he challenges it, nobody else will be able to respond to it. So these are his miracles. Number one, his birth. Obviously, people already knew of him because they had witnessed this entire encounter. So now it's 30 years later, people would not have forgotten by now. So they know that this is a special person. So number one, they've got that special person. Number two, his speech in childhood, that's his second miracle. Number three are his adult miracles in the sense that he is now forming birds out of clay. So these are a number of his miracles. The first one, he makes forms out of clay of a bird, says Bismillah, blows into it and it becomes alive. Another one that he does is he cures the lepers. He cures the lepers and he cures those who are born blind. They become better again. I mean, number of people. I mean, it's not like he's got a clinic now and they're just all coming and Bismillah, he starts a clinic, you know. It's just that this is a miracle that he performs. Right? Now they challenge him. Qurtubi, Allama Qurtubi is a great mufassir. They challenge him that, okay, if you can do this, can you bring back the dead from life? Uh, can you bring back the, the, the dead from death? Can you bring them back to life? So he does so. He brings four people back. According to many of these narrations, there are four people, and even their names are mentioned, that he brings them back to, even one of the sons of Nuh Ali he brings them back to life. And you know, they're, 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 the way they are, white-haired, and, and all that description is mentioned. I'm not going to go into all of that right now. Another thing that he would do, is he would inform the people what they had for dinner, and what they had stocked up. So he used to be able to inform people what they had in their storerooms. Today, you know, in freezers, pantries, you know, uh, cupboards, whatever the case is. Right? What they had eaten. He was able to tell that. Now, <clears throat> the Hawariyin, there were 12 Hawari. These were his very special, closest disciples. Why are they called Hawari? They call Hawari because maybe they used to wear white. So Hawari means pure and clean. So because of their garments. Maybe because of the purity of their hearts. Whatever the reason is. Now, 
the Prophet وسلم, said that if I had a Hawari, it would be Zubair. Zubair is my Hawari. Zubair ibn al-Awam radiallahu But generally we call them Sahaba. So Hawari is like a Sahaba but like the top Sahaba, right? Those are the 12 very special people who are with Isa Islam all the time. They asked him that, هَلْ يَسْتَطِيعُ رَبُّكَ أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ عَلَيْنَا مَائِدَةً مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ قَالَتْ إِن كُنْتُمْ Does your Lord have the ability to bring down a Dastar Khan for us? A food spread, right? Of food, some platters of food basically. Ma'ida. Ma'ida means whether it's on a table or on the floor. It's just, you know, whenever you have a, a selection of food. So he said, fear Allah. You're asking for something like this. Fear Allah if you're believers. He said, no, because Right? He says, no, they said, no, we want this so that it can give us satisfaction of the heart. We just want to get more content. This is something will increase our iman. So he says, okay, fine, I'll do this. But then if you disbelieve afterwards, then this will be a massive problem. So Allah subhanahu wa suddenly in front of them, Isa alayhi makes a dua, suddenly in front of them, they've got a massive dastarkhan covered. Who's going to open it first? So they all tell Isa alayhi you must open it. Anyway, he says the most purest person should open it. He opened it and it was a very large fish. Now this is not mentioned in the Quran. All it's mentioned in the Quran is that it was food that was, that was descended upon them. However, all of this detail, there's lots of juicy detail which we're not going to go into because that all comes from the Israelite traditions. And we don't know how accurate it is or not. So our belief is just what's in the Quran and everything else Allah knows best. He says it's a very big fish which was surrounded by some kind of vegetables and there was salt and something, salt and vinegar or something at the, at the head and there were bread and different honey, uh, there was uh, olives and different types of uh, other condiments. So they ate from it for a very, very long time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the ability to eat from there for a very, very long time. So that was another of his miracles. As he's getting very popular, there are people who are getting jealous because now they're not believing that there's some people who don't believe he's a prophet. They, they are now the Romans the reports are going to the Romans who are the actual rulers of the area that this person could because his popularity is growing he's getting followers I mean if all of these things are being done by him all of these miracles you can imagine how many people will follow him right? people are looking for these kind of things so now they start plotting against him for many different reasons one day he is sitting and again we don't know too much of this detail but one day when he's sitting down with his Hawariyin with his disciples he is informed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that your enemies are outside. Somebody had informed of his whereabouts. They, they were coming and he was told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are outside. In the Quran, it doesn't mention the next part that I'm going to explain to you. Right? What happened? So generally what is reported is that he was caught. This is the biblical version that he was caught, he was taken out, and he was crucified. And he remained on the cross for about three days, or whatever the case is. Bible, uh, sorry, the, many Christians, many groups within the Christians, they go on to say that he was then buried, but then he, he came back and he walked around 
for a number of days and then after that he disappeared so he was definitely killed according to them on the cross then after that he was and if you go to Jerusalem you'll see all of these places where they say this happened and that happened and then he ascended after that on the third day he ascended after being buried he came back then he ascended afterwards they also believe in an ascension that's why they have the church of the ascension so if you go there the church of the holy sepulcher which is a short distance away from the masjid laqsa when you go there and it's a very interesting place this time we were very fortunate that right next door to this church is the house of Salahuddin on the top floor it's kind of a very hilly area so you climb a lot of steps and the house at the top was owned by Salahuddin one of the one of the commanders that came with him I think he was from the Maghrib or something not sure exactly one of their descendants is an old woman who's about 70 years old this is her house we were very lucky that our tour guide knew this woman so all 30 35 of us she allowed us into her house she said do you want to see Salahuddin Rahmatullahi's house so we went to the house from the back of her house you can go onto the roof of the church of the holy sepulchre where the dome of the ascension is a very holy place i asked for permission and i managed to go there right not that i mean wallahu alam you know for any significance of that because Isa al-Islam is our prophet, but wallah, we don't know whether he, came, he, he, he went from there because other denominations of the Christians, they believe that he ascended from elsewhere. There's about two or three different views, Catholics, Protestants, and others, they believe that where he went from. But this is the most famous one. So now what happens is this is the biblical story. He stayed on the cross for this number of, you know, this number of days and then they came and they taunted him and all the rest of it. This is the biblical story and his wounds there were blood coming out and so on what is the islamic story now one thing that allah makes very clear in the quran very clear in the quran is these words now look how allah emphasizes it over and over again allah doesn't use too many words when he speaks but in this one he says wama right? now look at this wama they did not kill him wama salabuhu Right? They didn't even crucify him. The matter was made very ambiguous and confusing for them. Right? And those people who have differed about what happened to him, they all have doubts. Now over the years, the doubt may have gone because they only know one version of the story. Let me explain this. If you look at the history of Christianity, right? like the Nabatians and the others, the Basildans and others, they all have a different version as to what happened to Isa right. However, as you have three, four different theories, but then as the years go by, some of the theories get lost. They die out and the other theories, they become stronger. And then people just know that theory. They don't even know that there was an Christians used to believe otherwise. The Muslim version is different. Allah says very clearly he did not kill him they did not crucify him and all those who have differed about him as they did in the early days what happened to Jesus they are all doubtful what did he say after that Allah emphasizes again he says they're in doubt they don't have any knowledge 
except that they're just following speculation conjecture. They definitely did not kill him. Allah hardly ever uses the same words over and over again to emphasize something so much. But he wants to make it very clear, he was not killed. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him to himself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mighty and the wise one. So what happened to him? Why is there such a difference? Well, let's put it this way. There was definitely somebody who looked like Jesus who was killed. Right? That much we have to agree with, I think. Right? Somebody who looked like Jesus was definitely on the cross. That's why, because people saw this. They, they, he was on there for hours on end. So people obviously saw somebody looking like Jesus. That must be Jesus. So there's somebody like Jesus who's killed on the cross. But Allah is saying it's not him though. So what happened? Now Allah doesn't mention what happened except that he was raised up and he was not killed. That's all we 100% believe in. However, just to get a better idea, Allama Qurtubi, he relates one possibility and then there's other Mufassirin who related another possibility. But this one is the strongest possibility and he may have taken this from some of the views of that time that must have come down. What is that? Isa is in, in this place with his Hawariyin. The enemies have found out where he is because now they are after to assassinate him. So he's in this place and they're being told. He finds out from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He asks his Hawariyin, which one of you will volunteer to put my clothing on, take my staff and my turban and go out to the people. And he will have to then face whatever he has to face, but then he will be with me in Jannah. So one of them volunteered. Jesus, Isa gives him his clothes. He puts on the clothing and everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes him to look like Jesus. It's not beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. So he goes outside. And they, they catch him. And he is, now he has to deal with it. So it is somebody who looks like Jesus. Now you can imagine where the confusion has come in from. Right? It's very simple confusion, isn't it? There's a, this is the strongest version according to Qurtubi. However, there's another opinion. Which is that it wasn't one of the Hawariyin. But it was one of the people who'd come to capture him, one of the officers or whoever they were. One of them came inside. Isa salam, as with the first story, was raised up by Jibreel by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When this person went back out, he was made to look like Jesus. So they capture him and he's saying, what are you doing? You're Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Of course you're Jesus. You know, it's like somebody who does a crime and then somebody grabs him. You're the one who stole that phone, didn't it? No, it wasn't me. It's like that, right? Who's going to listen to him? The reason why we say that this is also a plausible option. Allah knows best though. Our belief, yaqeen, belief is that he was not killed. He was not on that cross even. He was up in the heavens. He didn't touch that cross. Whether it was his hawariyin, whether it was one of his disciples or whether it was this enemy, Allah knows best. But then what we have is that in the Bible we have, it says in the story of John, right, 20, 34, it says that one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side on the cross with a spear. And there was a sudden gush of blood and water. Then 
in Mark 16.34, it says that Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. These are the same words even in the English translation. These are the same words. What it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? According to Jesus, sorry, according to the Christians, the majority today, what they believe is if you ask them, okay, why was Jesus crucified? If he's the son of God, because remember, the son of God comes in here. That's another addition here. If he's the son of God, why would you crucify him? Because they believe in original sin. Now the Russian church, the Russian Orthodox Church, the Eastern Orthodox, they don't believe in the original sin theory. This is something the Catholics and that they believe in. That Adam Islam, because of eating, and Hawa because of eating from the forbidden fruit, all of his progeny is now impure. Yeah, you understand? Can you see how bad that sounds? Everybody's impure and a purification had to take place. So God took his only son as a means of sacrifice and had him sacrifice for the purity of the entire humanity. Now, Ahmad Didat, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, I, I like his approach to this. He says, A robber enters your house and he robs your house and then you take your son and then you kill him. You know in his South African accent? Right? You take your son for the crime of this robber and then you kill him. How absurd does that sound? So this is essential. Now if we even say, okay, that was his son, Right? We, we don't believe this, but let's just say. Why is he should have been playing the partner? He should know that my father is killing me for the right reasons. I'm full, but I'm fully into this. Why is he then complaining? You have forsaken me. Oh my Lord, you have forsaken me. Why is he saying that? And the Bible still says that. They haven't taken that out. Even though much of it has been changed. Now, I'm not saying this to create any kind of animosity. I'm saying this as a matter of academics just to understand what the different perspectives that we have. Because we need to know these perspectives. And subhanAllah, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there who don't believe in this. They are Christians from birth, but they, have, they don't believe in all of this. Because if you ask too many questions, what it comes down to, and I've sat in a lecture by one of the, you know, one leading academic on Christianity, asked him a number of questions. And while many of his answers were very academic, where he was trying to be as honest as possible and objective as possible to give me the best answer, when it came to these penetrating questions, they, they have to make up stuff then. Like, you have to believe. Like, that part you must take on belief, otherwise you won't feel the love. Right? It's very complicated for a lot of people. But it works for a lot of people. A billion people in the world, uh, two billion people in the world are apparently Christian of some sort or the other. They don't all believe in the same thing. There's a lot of Unitarian Christians as well. Right? So, what's uh, interesting to, for us to understand is our perspective of the story. So that when you get to speak to somebody, you can tell them, this is what we believe about Jesus. And I've mentioned this in numerous places. And it helps a lot. On one occasion, there was a movie that came out about probably about maybe 10 years ago now called The Passion of Christ, Mel Gibson. I never watched it. Right? But I was told to attend a forum. I was in America, Imam in uh, California at the time. And there was a forum because it caused an uproar. 
because Mel Gibson he made it out that the Jews were behind the killing and all the rest of it and they were very uh, they don't like when people attack them in any way whatsoever so we had to have a forum to try to bring everybody together so they were the Christian the rabbi and I was invited as the only imam I was the only imam in about 60 miles I was the only imam so I went now um, I was told that it was about the passion of Christ so I should watch the movie a friend of mine even got me the movie but I couldn't bear myself to watch it I have an issue with this the reason is you know forget about whether TV is halal or haram everybody's on YouTube on their phones nowadays right um, but the reason why I don't like to you know there's 10 commandments movie as well and there's all these movies about prophets and everything I don't like to, uh, to see them because the actor he sticks in your head as that prophet afterwards and subhanallah that's really sad because then every time you read the story of Musa salam, this actor who played the Ten Commandments is in your mind subhanallah I mean come on I mean napak admi Musa salam ban gaya you know ajeeb so that's why I have a, so I couldn't bear to watch it but I went now what happened in that con, in that uh, forum is mashallah they all gave bayans and everything we all gave some bayans about Isa salam this time these Africans, African-Americans, there was about three of them, they, that's it, they started attacking the priest. Why is Jesus white? <laughs> right? Why is Jesus white? Because everywhere in America, in the West, generally Jesus is white, right? As though he's European or something, right? Why, why you know, you, you've seen the pictures. He should be black, right? So, it was getting very uncomfortable. Because this whole majlis, this whole uh, forum was to bring about reconciliation, not to, not to create more problems. And now this was a big problem. So after they went back and forth, I was out, you know, I was like, I got nothing to do with this. But then I came and I said, look, let me deal with this because the Prophet ﷺ came as a criterion to confirm what was true in the previous uh, traditions and to clarify any wrongs. So I said, look, as a Muslim, this is what I must do. So I said, look, there's hadith. Uh, there are traditions of Rasulullah, of our messenger Muhammad wasallam, that say that the Prophet Isa because it mentions a number of hadith, that the Prophet said, I saw Isa salam, and he was of wheatish complexion. Asmar, wheatish complexion. Yellowish brown, uh, sorry, yellowish, reddish, white. All of this is mentioned. Allama Zurqani, he mentions whitish with a reddish complexion, right? So he was neither completely white and neither was he completely black. He was somewhere in between. Alhamdulillah, managed to diffuse that. So you have all of these kind of controversies outside. Now to finish off, I want to just mention two more things. Firstly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to Isa salam as kalimatum minhu the word Allah's word what does that mean one of the meanings is that because Isa salam will be propagating the word of Allah however the stronger meaning is that because Isa salam was not created from mother and father through the normal embryonic process he was created by the word kun as Allah says that when Allah wants something to happen he, he says kun fayakun be and it is so because Isa was created through kun, through be, the word, that's why it's called kalima. Wa ruhum minhu. Ruh is called the spirit. Because the, his spirit was blown in. 
He wasn't formed again through the, you know, the gestation period as such. His spirit was blew, blown in through the angel. That's, no, that's another thing. Or it could mean Rahmah. He's the source of mercy. Then it says that he is the Masih. What does Masih mean? The Messiah. It also mentions that Dajjal is the Messiah. Right? So one is Masih al-Kathab. The other one is uh, Masih al-Dajjal. The other one is Masih Isa ibn Maryam. What does Masih mean? The Messiah. Masih comes from Masah. And what is Masah? To wipe over something. The anointed one. Either the one who's been anointed or the one who anoints others. And uh, he had the ability to pass his hands over the blind or the leper and they would become better again. So that's what it means. Another meaning is Masaha means to travel the earth. So that's another possible meaning. So these are the different words that have been used for Isa Islam and what they mean. So that's one other thing covered. The final thing now is now that Isa salam, he went up to the heavens, the Prophet met him on the second heaven. On the first one, he, uh, during his Mi'raj, it's a hadith in Sahih Muslim, he met Adam salam, on the first one, Isa salam, on the second one, Yusuf salam, on the third one, and on and on until Harun, salam, Musa, salam, then Ibrahim. Salam. So the Prophet salam, has met Isa, salam. he's also met him in Jerusalem when he led the prayers. Now, this, we know a lot through our hadith about when Isa will come back. So, let me just quickly go over that. The f we have minor signs and we have major signs. The, I think the easiest way to explain minor sign and major sign is that minor signs will not necessarily be global. They'll be more in one area than in others. Like for example, let's just take the, uh, the prevalence of zina in some places worse than others. Disobedience to parents, in some places worse than others. It's not a global problem as such, like it affects everybody, right? These are the minor signs. Major signs will be global. Everybody will be affected. They will be turning events for the whole world. The first major sign, we have so many minor signs right now, but the first major sign is who? The Mahdi, the coming of the Mahdi. The Mahdi will come and there'll be a lot of conflict in the world. I'm not going to go into any kind of detail here, but we've got lectures on Zamzam Academy already on this in great detail, signs of the Day of Judgment in full detail. But the main thing is that Mahdi will signal the first of the major signs. This will happen in Makkah Mukarramah. He will be given bay'ah. He will lead the armies. And during his lifetime, he will be one day in the, the masjid, the Umayyad masjid in Damascus, where, alhamdulillah, I've studied in that masjid. And... Although I studied on the right-hand side of it, it's on the left-hand side corner, the eastern minaret. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring back some kind of sukoon and some kind of peace in the whole Sham area. And it's really, really suffering. But who's been to Damascus? Who's seen the Jami al-Umawi? So, mashallah. So what's very interesting is that the eastern minaret, it's closed, you can't go up there. Behind that, because the masjid is massive, Right, and behind that is the Christian area. That is where it mentions in the hadith that on the Manaratul Bayda, which means the white minaret of the mosque of Damascus. This is a hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There was no mosque in Damascus at the time. Can you believe it? The Prophet sallallahu said, "Isa will descend on the eastern minaret of the mosque of Damascus, uh, supported by two angels." And there was no masjid there at the time. That's a prophecy that Damascus will have a mosque. And what a mosque. MashaAllah.
right? I think it was made by Walid ibn Abdul Malik. Right? Anyway, so he will descend there and the Muslims, the Jews and the Christians would have gathered for some reason, right? looking for something. Mahdi would have been, Mahdi radiallahu anhu will be there. And Isa will descend and then you have this thing about who's going to lead the prayer, whether it happens here or in Jerusalem, Allah knows best exactly. Eventually, after Isa descends, he will become the lead. He will, you don't hear much about Mahdi anymore. Although Isa says that the Iqamah has been given for you, you must continue to lead the prayer, even though Mahdi radiallahu anhu will say, you should lead the prayer. Say, no, it was given for you, you should do it. But after that, you don't hear too much about Mahdi radiallahu anhu. Then Isa in the hadith. Eventually, he makes his way to Jerusalem because now Dajjal has come out. And Dajjal has been out for a while now. And he's been going around causing problem. Eventually, Isa will follow him all the way to Jerusalem. And those who've been to that area, by the airport, Ben Gurion International Airport, there is a place called Lod which is Lud in Arabic, right? There's Lud, Rom, uh, Romla, Romla, not Ramallah. Ramallah is in the West Bank, but Romla. And this is also where the Amwas, uh, plague of Amwas took place. But all of that has been flattened right now. But Lud, there's a Tablighi Markaz there as well, mashallah. So this Bab Lud is actually, there's a big like dual carriageway. And in between there's a grassy area and there's a little building that's still there and they're looking after it actually, it's very interesting. In fact, the first time I went, there was uh, the, the taxi driver that took us, he was, a, he was a kind of more secular kind of person. He never heard of this place. Uh, but he said, okay, we'll find it. So he went in there, he was asking the Jews, like, where, where, uh, you know, the, once you get into Israel, it's less tension than in the West Bank. Right? There's less tension. It's just like you're in a Western country, the way they've made it. Anyway. So they're all trying to say, oh, it's, it's there, you know, it, it, it's this way or that way. So it's there. That's where Isa will go. And then the hadith mentioned that Dajjal will, um, Dajjal will uh, when he sees Isa coming, Dajjal is an imposter. You know, he knows how to manipulate things. So when he sees Isa coming, in one narration it mentions that he will tell his people, Chalo namaz shuru kar do. Namaz He's not going to speak in Urdu, by the way. Right? <laughs> this is just, I thought it was the best way to say it. Say, let's start praying Salat. But Isa will know and he will just melt. Nothing can affect Dajjal, but when Isa comes from Isa, he will just melt. So now Dajjal is finished. Now the Christians become Muslim. Because Isa will destroy the crosses, kill the swine, and there'll be no more jizya left because now everybody has to be a believer. Anybody who's remaining. Among the Bani Israel, those who have tawfiq written for them, they will also follow. Others would have been with Dajjal, right? All of that will be finished. Now there will only be belief. After that, there will only be belief. Great peace will reign for a while. I, I can't even imagine it, but this is what it's mentioned. And I believe it because Allah, this is our messenger, has, sallallahu has told us. Then the wall of Ya'juj Ma'juj will break and they will come down. Min kulli hadabin yansilun. Again, such a wonderful word in Arabic the way it's described. They will just come pouring out from every place and they will be huge in numbers to such a degree that they go over a river, mighty river. 
By the time they've all gone over, there's no water left. They've drunk it all. Can you imagine how many, how many there will be? That's why it mentions in the hadith that there'll only be a fraction of people in paradise. Right? From it mentions only be a fraction, so we wonder who it's going to be. But then it says that Allah will fill it with the Ya'juj Ma'juj. They will be a big proportion of the hellfire people. That's why we'll get a bigger chance to be in paradise, inshallah. So anyway, the thing here though now is remember, Isa salam is now leading. They will have to retreat. I think it's to Mount Sinai. They will have to retreat with all the believers. And so many other things will happen. Medina Munawara will become desolate. There's so many. It's not the time for the whole. I just want to talk about Isa Islam. But Isa Islam will not be given any direct power against the Yajuj Ma'ajuj. He had it against the Dajjal, but not against Yajuj Ma'ajuj. However, eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send some birds or something like this, and they will all die out. Isa Islam will make a dua to Allah. Now, the question that people raise here is that he had power against the Dajjal. But not against the Yajuj Ma'juj. Why? Say that so many people have just brought faith. They used to believe he's the son of God. Now, if this is just a possible wisdom of why. If they see him that he also has this power against, maybe this will cause a fitna for them and think, yes, he must be the son of God. So now this is to show that, look, he's not the son of God. One thing we must remember, one thing we must remember, because the Qadianis, they believe that Jesus escaped from the crucifixion and eventually he died in Kashmir. Right. This is what the Ahmadis believe. And I remember once to one of the leaders of the Ahmadi on, the, on radio, somebody asked that if you say that Jesus has come and gone, we haven't seen Dajjal. Dajjal must have come at the same time. So we haven't seen Dajjal, that means Jesus couldn't have been there, that means you're wrong. So you know his response was? He said, the eyes that don't recognize Jesus when he was here, how are they going to recognize Dajjal? Dajjal has also come and gone. <laughs> Very interesting, you know, sly, clever answer. But anyway, that's, that's what they say. So then they generally challenge us that Isa alayhi salam, he's going to come back. You know, if you can't have another prophet, then Isa alayhi salam, he's a prophet. How can he come back? The answer to that is, when Isa alayhi salam comes back, he comes back, he is Prophet Jesus, but he doesn't come back wearing the hat of a prophet. Meaning, he doesn't come in the vocation or capacity of a prophet. He comes now in the capacity of an ummati of Muhammad So yes, he's a prophet. Don't say he's not a prophet. He is a prophet. But he doesn't come now as uh, in the capacity of a prophet. And he does what the Prophet has said he will do. Because some people will then say, but look, he will abolish jizya. He will have all swine killed. So that means he is making new rules. No, the Prophet already told us that this is going to happen. It's the Prophet's rule. He's just implementing it. Just like other prophecies that were being told. So I'm just giving us an understanding of these things. So anyway, then eventually, Isa they say he will marry, then eventually he will pass away. And then the world will slowly, slowly start falling into chaos again. And problems will occur again. And then it says that eventually the sun will rise from the west one day after its setting and from that day nobody now can change faith 
nobody's tawbah is accepted because now the doors of uh, acceptance are closed then the dabba comes the the beast right and he will then uh, come and brand everybody as to believer non-believer then eventually the believers will all start to will disappear because a coal, a wind will blow and all the believers will have will disappear it also mentions that the quran will be lifted until you'll just have empty pages empty sheets it was very difficult to understand but now it's actually much easier to understand a lot of people are reading on their phones now right one day virus has come and emptied everything out you got nothing left the prophet ﷺ also mentioned that uh, he, he mentioned a story uh, about how a an animal will uh, spoke to a shepherd about the prophet ﷺ. so the prophet ﷺ said a time will come when your shoelace will your shoe strap will speak to you and we have that today as well your shoes that have a chip inside they're connected to your ipod and you know exactly how much you're running and all of these smart devices today right a person's whip will speak to it speak to the person you know the nintendo wii and the nunchaku you have in there and it's uh, you have all of these it's so much easier nowadays to understand all of these things you know i'll just tell you one one thing uh, ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah when he discusses paradise it, it, we know we discussed that when a person wants a bird it will become roasted and come in front of him so now the question that arises is that in Jannat where are you going to roast this bird from? there's no fire in Jannat so where are you going to get a roasted bird from? so now remember this is eight, seven, eight hundred years ago they're discussing this so it has all of these opinions it will be taken it will be roasted outside of Jannat and brought back in <laughs> that's what somebody said however Ibn al-Qayyim says there that just in the same way that Allah will change the whole system that we no longer will have to go toilet anything we eat the, the stomach system of our new body in Jannat will be such that it will process everything and it will output it excrete it as such in the form of musk perspiration wonderful isn't it you know like you take uh, waste products and then they, they're doing wonderful things with it nowadays all of this is to make these things easiest for Allah so he says just as Allah could do this he can have a bird Roasted without fire, however that may be. And today we can roast a bird in a microwave, in a halogen cooker. You know, these active fries and all of these different. We're using no fire whatsoever, electric. In fact, induction, there's, you can't even feel the heat. Allah has made it so much easier. Is it because our iman is so weak we can't understand that? You know, we can't accept it directly. So anyway, what will eventually happen is that when eventually there's nobody to say Allah, Allah, and all the Muslims have gone, or majority have gone, then the day of judgment will occur. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a true understanding, allow us to strengthen our faith and belief. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak tayyad al-jalali wal-ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghif. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy Oh Allah, we ask you for your compassion Oh Allah, we ask you that you forgive us our sins Oh Allah, oh Allah, we are engrossed Oh Allah, we are drowned in our sins Oh Allah, you don't even have to prove anything against us We are self-confessing that we have sinned greatly Oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness for our sins we've committed in the openness of daylight. 
Oh Allah, in the darknesses of the night. Oh Allah, those we've committed and we've forgotten. Those we remember and we commit over and over again. Oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness from all of those sins which has brought misery in our homes, which has taken the barakah away from our homes. Oh Allah, which has turned husbands against wives and wives against husbands. Oh Allah, we ask you to remove all of the evil influence of the sins that we have committed, which has turned child and children against their parents. And oh Allah, taken all of the blessing away. Oh Allah, there's darkness in the homes. Oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness. Oh Allah, there are some sins that have become part and parcel of our life. And no longer do we even consider them sins anymore. Oh Allah, what face will we show you? Today in the masjid, if a dirty person comes in, we will take him out. If there's a person who is impure, they know they can't come in the masjid. Oh Allah, if our hearts are impure, then how are they going to enter into your pure court on the day of judgment? Oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness. Oh Allah, we ask you for purity. We ask you for your compassion. Oh Allah, the whole world, the Muslim world is suffering. The Muslim world is on fire. Oh Allah, our brothers and sisters around the world, a lot of misery, a lot of oppression. Oh Allah, we ask that you bring us and you bring them some kind of relief. Oh Allah, make us worthy of your relief. Oh Allah, if not for us and if we are sinners, then oh Allah, we ask in the name of that child who a few days before Eid would have been with his friends and that friend their friends would be saying between them that their fathers will be bringing them the different gifts for them for Eid and this child will have nothing to say and he will go home and he will say to his mother oh my mother what am I gonna get for my Eid and his mother will tell him that your father who used to bring you Eid who used to bring you gifts for Eid is no longer with us anymore and you won't have anything this Eid we ask you by this child and his emotion Oh Allah, that you bring us some kind of respite. Oh Allah, that you protect us and our children until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, there are many challenges out there. We ask you for strength to meet these challenges, for the wisdom to meet these challenges. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us true understanding and taqwa. You make your obedience beloved in our hearts. You make your disobedience hated in our hearts. Oh Allah, everybody sitting here, whoever they may be, Oh Allah, we all prostrate in front of you. When we pray, it's for you and it's for nobody else. Oh Allah, we are sitting on this Sunday night in this masjid when we could have been doing so many other things. Oh Allah, have your mercy upon us today. Oh Allah, don't let, let anyone turn away from here and those who are listening at home, don't let anybody turn away from this gathering without being forgiven. Oh Allah, forgive us completely and fully. Oh Allah, your rivers of mercy are constantly flowing. We just need a drop of this mercy. Oh Allah, your mercy is more than anything we've seen in this world or will see in this world. Oh Allah, it says that Anas radiallahu anhu served the Prophet for 10 years. Surely he made some mistakes, but the Prophet never once told him off. Oh Allah, the Prophet forgave the people of Makkah. Oh Allah, Yusuf forgave all of his brothers despite all of the problems that they created for him. Oh Allah, if this is the mercy shown by your messengers, then what must be your mercy? Oh Allah, we ask you from, to give us from this mercy. Your mercy is greater than all of the sins that we may have committed. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us kalima on our deathbed and you remove the evils from our life. You remove all of the evils from our life. 
Oh Allah, give us understanding. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen in whatever way, shape or form you, you can take, you can accept us for. Oh Allah, we ask you one final thing, that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And oh Allah, we ask that you grant us this company in the hereafter. Oh Allah, bless all of those who've established these masajid for us, our first generation. Oh Allah, bless them, those who've passed, bless their graves, illuminate them. Those who are still here, oh Allah, grant them great uh, health and understanding. And oh Allah, those of the second and third generation, allow us to continue and to keep working hard. Oh Allah, protect our faiths of us and our young and our progeny until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun alal mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.